10th Avenue North sings a song, No Man is an Island. And there is truth to that, as we'll see next from the book of Romans, chapter 6. Join us, Graceful Truth, with Pastor Steve Converse is up next. No man is an island, we can be found. No man is an island, let your guard down. Hi there, and welcome. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. We'll go to Romans chapter 6, verses 18 through 23 today. A message simply entitled, You've Got to Serve Somebody. We aren't our own. We are somebody else's. And if we are Christians, we're somebody else's bought with a price. We would invite you to join us from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Let's catch up with Pastor Steve Converse for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. But we're in Romans uh, 6, and this morning I just want to do a little, we're closing off the, the, the chapter here, and uh, we've, been, we've been looking at the idea of our new life in Christ, and at the end of Romans 6, basically he tells us simply that we are going to serve someone. He points out to us who that is. And there's only two options, and we'll get into that. But I just want to say in opening that I'm very appreciative to be pastor here in a church where the primary interest of God's people is not uh, programs. <laughs> it's not the music. It's not little sermonettes to help you feel better each week and tug at your heart and your emotions. But rather, your heart's desire, as is mine, is to learn and to know more and more about God's inerrant, infallible, authoritative, divine, holy word. And, and that's what uh, I just wanted to think of that as, as we continue in our book, Study Through Romans. And some people say, well, how long is this going to take? I don't know. But we've been in there for 48 weeks so far, and we'll continue. But we come to a text today that's, uh, as has been the last couple of weeks, kind of difficult to understand. And it reminds me of, of what Peter wrote in Second Peter Chapter 3, verse 16, he said this, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as as they do the other scriptures. And so this morning, as we continue in our our text here in Romans chapter 6, we'll be looking basically at Romans 15 to 18, but I want to read the entire uh, text for us all the way to the end of the chapter. So follow along in your Bibles. Romans 6, verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, 
So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Most of you remember the song that Bob Dylan wrote several decades ago now, hard to believe, uh, Gotta Serve Somebody. And he wrote a verse that says this, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to to serve somebody. That's really what Paul is talking about. I don't know where Dylan got his mind for that, his idea for that song, whether it was from the words of our Lord or the words of Paul, but obviously he got them from somewhere. And in John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus said this, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So all men who live a life of committing sin are slaves of to that sin. That's what the scriptures teach. In fact, every person we've learned as we've been going through Romans, every person who comes into this world is under the tyranny of sin, is under the power of sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the word says. That means sin controls their thoughts, sin controls their words, sin controls their actions. And Paul says here that either you're a slave of sin or you are a slave of what? Obedience or righteousness. Or God. He says that in verses 16, 18, 19, and 22 of Romans 6. And so, a lot of times, unbelievers make the mistake of thinking that somehow, well, they're free. <laughs> you know, they're free. When you, when you tell them, well, you need to come to Christ and commit your life to Christ. No, 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 I'm, I'm free. I'm my own guy now. No, you're not. You're not. If you're not in Christ, you're in sin. And if you're in sin, you're a slave to that sin. Over in Second Peter chapter 2... 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, he writes this. It says, They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to wallow in the mire. Now we know that that verse isn't talking about losing salvation. That's impossible as we're going to look at today a little bit and next week. But once you've been been exposed to the gospel, once you've been exposed to the truth, it's your responsibility to respond to that truth. You may think, no, 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 that the Christian life, it seems so restrictive. It seems so, you know, boy, you got to do this, you got to do that. It just, I don't don't want that. Well, your life right now is restricted, beloved. If you're not in Christ, you're restricted to sin. The only thing you can do is sin. And that's what the Bible tells us, very clear. And so God has in his wonderful provision through Christ. He's freedom, given us freedom from that bondage. 
He's freed us from sin. And he made us slaves of righteousness. Just like Bob Dylan said, you've got to serve somebody. Paul says the same thing. And this comes down to basically a battle of the will. You hear the word, oh, you know, don't you believe that, that man has a free will today? I can do whatever I want. I have a free will. Well, if you can show me that in Scripture, I'd love to agree with you. C.H. Spurgeon said this, Free will I have heard of often, but I have never seen it. I have met with will and plenty of it, but it has either been led captive by sin or held in the blessed bonds of his grace. See, so the choice is not, beloved, should I give up my freedom so I could submit myself to God? We, we falsely think that's what the choice is before we come to Christ. That's not the choice. The choice is this. Should I serve sin or should I serve God? You're going to serve somebody, one of the other. And Paul tells us here, basically in our text, either you're a slave to sin, and this is in your outline there, resulting in death, or you are a slave of obedience resulting in righteousness. Those are the two choices. There's no gray. There's no in-between. You can't have one foot in, one foot out. And so, as you read through Romans 6, the text we just read, clearly you can see that Paul is using an illustration of slavery to get a point across. The word slave or enslaved occurs eight times here in verses 15 to 23. And basically, in every verse, there except uh, 15, 21, and, and 22, I think. And so, when you stop and think about it, this is his, his theme And he says there in verse 17, you were once slaves of sin. He says it again in verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin. What's he talking about? Before you were in Christ, before you committed your life to Christ. And then he says all the way at the the end there, uh, or verse 21, he says the ultimate end of being a slave to sin in verse 21, for the end of those things is death. And then in verse 23, the beginning of the verse, he says the wages of sin is what? Is death. I mean... It's it's not rocket science. To be a slave of sin is to die. Sin ultimately kills, physically and spiritually. And when you think about it, what it means to be a slave to sin, when you stop, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody likes to be a slave to anything. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning, oh, I just wish I was a slave today. Of whatever. I can't wait to get to the, the, the office and be a slave to my boss. Man, it just makes my day to have to do whatever he says, whenever he wants. And da, da, da. Nobody likes that. That just goes against our very nature. Well, Dr. Guthrie penned out some words about sin. And I want to read them for you. And he gives a description of sin that is just right on. It's just, it's very meaty, but it's also very, uh, you can just relate to it. And here's what he says. He says, sin is a debt, a burden, a thief, a sickness, a leprosy, a plague, a poison, a serpent, a sting. Everything that man hates, sin is. A load of curses and calamities beneath whose crushing, intolerable pressure the whole creation groans. Who is the undertaker that digs man a grave? Who is the painted temptress that steals his virtue? Who is the murderess that destroys his life? Who is the sorceress that first deceives and then damns his soul? The answer, sin. Who with icy breath blights the fair blossoms of youth? 
Who breaks the hearts of parents? Who brings old men gray hairs with sorrow to the grave? Sin. Who changes gentle children into vipers? Tender mothers into monsters? And their fathers into worse than Herod's? The murderers of their own innocence? Sin. Who casts the apple of discord on the household hearts? Who lights the torch of war and bears it blazingly over the trembling lands? Who by division in the church rends Christ's seamless robe? Sin. Who is this Delilah that sings the Nazarite asleep and delivers up the strength of God into the hands of the uncircumcised? Who, winning smile on her face, Honey, flattered, flattery on her tongue, stands in the door to offer the sacred rites of hospitality, and when suspicion sleeps, treacherously pierces our temples with a nail. What fair siren is this, who, seated on a rock by the deadly pool, smiles to deceive, sings to lure, kisses to betray, and flings her arms around our neck to leap with us into perdition? Sin. Who turns the soft and greatest heart to stone? Who hurls reason from her lofty throne and impels sinners mad as the gathering swine to run down the precipice into the lake of fire? Sin. What a wonderful description of sin. John MacArthur in his commentary wrote this, Sin, that terrible, life-wretching, soul-damning reality which clings like incurable cancer to the human breast and ultimately devastates sin to which men are enslaved and men cry to be free from sin, but they cannot. They run to flee its guilt, but they cannot find relief. Why is that? Because men, humankind, is a slave to sin. And what's so glorious about this passage, if you look at verse 18 with me just for a second, look at what it says. If there's one thing God could give us, The greatest gift that God could give us, verse 18, having been what? Set free from sin. What a glorious thing. You can't do this on your own. Verse 22, he says, now that you have been set free from sin. Describes our state in Christ. It describes who we are in Christ, our position. That sin which devastates and destroys and kills. God has given us a gift through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can be free from sin, free from its penalty, free from its power, free from its presence, ultimately. I mean, what a wonderful thing. That should give us comfort. That should give us joy. That's why Christ has saved us, to free us from the power and the penalty and ultimately the presence of sin. Now, we've been looking in our study, and we've been looking at how God has been doing this, and we looked at a couple terms, the doctrine of justification, that one-time, that one-time act of God when he declares us righteous, even though we're not. Because of the righteousness of Christ given to us, he looks at us, sinful human beings, and says, I declare you righteous. And then we've been looking at sanctification, which is the process of God making us holy. It's not a one-time thing. It's a process. God has left us here on this earth. As Christians, and we don't live perfect lives. We're not sinless people. We sin probably every day in thought or deed. But through that process, God is forming us and fashioning us more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the process of sanctification. And so chapters 3, 4, and 5 of Romans up to this point has showed us 
basically that this is what God has done. He's declared us righteous, and he's in the process of sanctifying us, making us holy. In the first half of chapter 6, up to verse 14, it tells us how he made us holy. And the second half of chapter 6 is basically to tell us that we are free from sin that once enslaved us. And so he's looking at the same thing. And so some of this is going to sound familiar because he's saying the same thing in these two sets of verses. He's just saying it in a different way. In the first half of the chapter, he used the illustration of what? Us being united, right, with Christ. He said, since you're a Christian, since you've committed your life to Christ, you're one with Christ. You've been died with Christ, you've been buried with Christ, you've been raised to newness of life to walk with Christ. That's what he tells us in the first 14 verses. He gives us that illustration. And the second half of the verse, he almost says, well, you know what, I, I don't know you got it yet. I got I to gotta share something else with you. I want to give you another illustration. And he uses the illustration of slavery. And he says, you know what? Not only have you died in Christ and rose with Christ and now are walking in newness of life with Christ, that old self is dead, it's buried, it's gone, but you've also become a slave to God. And in doing so, the slavery to sin, which was your old life, is broken. It's over. And this really drives home the point that you are, as a new creation in Christ, you're not some schizophrenic Christian walking around saying, oh, who am I going to listen to? The old self or the new self? And they have this war going on. We've been talking about that. That's what a lot of people are taught. But the very characteristic and the nature of slavery is that you have one master. You don't have two. So if you are saved, if you are a Christian, you are a slave to God. That's clearly what the text says. And that slavery of the old nature to the old sin has been broken. It's been severed. You're no longer under its dominion, under its power. And so he wants us to see that very clearly. And so first he says, you know what? I want you to give this illustration. You're one with Christ and you've, been, you've died with Christ. You've been buried. You were raised in newness of life. Therefore, you know what? You, you, you have, for the first opportunity in your life, the ability to live a life that's a life of righteousness. You don't have to sin any longer. Not that you won't, but you don't have to. And he says, in the second half, I want to give you another illustration. Not only are you united with Christ, but you're a slave now to God. And I think that that's important to understand because a truly regenerated person, someone who is truly born again, cannot continue in the same old pattern of sinning that was characteristic before they came to Christ. It's impossible. There has to be a change. There has to be a transformation. Why? Because as we've talked the last couple of weeks, salvation is not the addition. It's not addition. It's not God saying, okay, now you have a new spirit inside you. And so the old one's still there and they can fight together. And, and that's what salvation is. It's just, you know, kind of really messing your life up now. No, that's not what it is. It's transformation. God takes our heart. God takes our soul and he recreates it to be new. And he says, the old one is dead, it's been buried, it's gone. Now you are new in Christ. Old things have what? Passed away. Everything has become new. And so, because we're no longer in the same relationship to sin as we were before we came to Christ, because we've died with Christ and we've risen with Christ. So here in the second half of this chapter, he says, now you have a new master. You have a new master. You're, 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 not, you're not free to do whatever you want as a Christian, just like you weren't free to do whatever you want as a non-believer. 
See, Satan's got people duped into thinking that, oh, you know, the Christian life is so restrictive and boy, I just want my freedom and I want to do whatever I can do. But if I come to Christ, then I'm giving up control of my life. Hey, you know what? Here's a, here's a thought for you. You're under someone's control right now. You're not the master of your own destiny. The Bible says you're under the control of sin if you, if you have not trusted Christ for your salvation. You don't have a free will. I mean, the last time I checked, somebody that's enslaved to somebody is not free. And that's exactly what it says. And so we have to be careful when we think in these terms, the truly justified, redeemed, born again, saved individual is going to have a different relationship to sin than they had before. It can't continue as it was. And that's why he uses the word obedience here. Obedience, obedient, obey, it happens about four times in our text. And so whose slave are you? Who are you going to serve? That's the question we're asking this morning. Do you obey sin or do you obey God? Are you going to live a life of sin that leads ultimately to death? Are you going to live a life serving God that ultimately leads to life, eternal life? Well, the first point here in our outline is if you think that being under grace means that you are free to sin, you do not understand God's grace. Look at what he says in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Looks familiar, doesn't it? All the way back in verse 1, he asks the same question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So what's Paul doing? He's answering their questions that are in their heads. He's speaking to these readers, and in chapter 5, he got done talking about, hey, you're, you're now in Christ, you're out of Adam, you're under God's grace. In verse 20 and 21 of chapter 5, he says, The law came to increase the trespass, where, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So he knew the people that were hearing him were going to say, oh, that makes sense. If, if, if we sin and God's grace is given to us and that honors God, then let's sin some more and God can grace us more with his grace and then he'll get more glory. Very self-serving mindset. And then he's answering that same question in verse 15. And it basically goes back to the whole idea of the law. Because the Jews were thinking, hey, we're under the law. We've got to obey the law. And Jesus came and said, no, what's the law in your heart? You know, you may be doing all these external things, but what's going on in your heart? So Jesus used verses and, and kind of pointed out to them that, hey, you know, you, you say don't commit adultery. But I say if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. Well, they were blown away by that. They thought, whoa, wait a minute. You know, who hasn't done that? And he confronted what we know today and even back then is what we call legalism. In a very real sense. And so he says to the, the, the question there, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? In other words, if we don't have a bunch of do's and don'ts, then why can't we just do whatever? Because we're under God's grace. And look at his answer. It's the same thing in verse 1. By no means. It's the same answer. No, 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 no. There's no way you could think that way. A Christian would not think that way. And someone who's been converted, someone who's been transformed by God's grace will not conclude that. Oh, God saved me? Oh, okay, and he's forgiven me of all my sins? Well, then good, I'm going to go out and just have a blast. Do all kinds of sin because I'm forgiven, I'm still going to heaven. What's the difference? It's almost a, a fatalistic kind of mentality. So the wrong conclusion here would be, let's go sin a lot so we can get a lot of God's grace. 
Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.